I'm Alex Del Sordo at another another Rower's Choice podcast as Zoomcast in the world of technology. Uh, surprisingly, it's it's more exhausting doing these than I thought. And I thought technology made your life easier. And I'm with a technology guru. I'm with a guy today. Uh, and I'm not going to butcher his last name because I, I tried to say it multiple times. I'm terrible at it. Uh, that's why he gave me the, the abridged version. It's Kevin Goyena. Uh, and he is out in the Seattle area. He's a rower, he's a technology guy, and he's a founder of a company. And I love, love talking to people that start companies in the rowing community. Uh, it's something that I have done uh, you know, as of like eight years ago. I'm a business owner just like this guy here. And we're gonna talk about his rowing background. We're gonna talk about uh, how he came to, to create iCrew, the, the, the company and the technology, and where he sees rowing going from a technology standpoint in the next five years. Kevin, welcome to the show, man. This is Thank awesome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So Kevin, you're, 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 you got gray hair. So we all know, <laughs> we all know you're a little older. Uh, so let's, so this story might be long and I'm okay with that. I want to know when you took your first stroke to where you are today in the, in this world. All right. It's not going to be a long story. Uh, I did learn to row with my husband in I believe we started in April of 2015. Come on, if, what were you doing for those all those other years? You know, uh, as a kid, I my sport was uh, mostly tennis. Uh, my husband played Division One football at University of Missouri, so we're both athletic. Well, is 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 he a big guy? I mean, no, no, he was a defensive back and running back. Okay, wow. So he's about my size. We're both about five ten if we stand up straight. Wow. So. I yeah, we live close to the Mount Baker Boathouse here in Seattle. It's um, right along Lake Washington. We're just minutes from the boathouse and we kept driving by seeing youth and masters out in boats. And we thought we, we should give this a go. We live right here. Yeah. Um, so we did learn to row with uh, Coach Tara Morgan, who's um, out there quite a bit with a lot of learn to row programs and her para program. Uh, it was a fantastic four months of learn to row. And then we jumped into the master's rowing. Uh, I guess that would have been late 2015, but mostly like the spring of 2016 was our first um, master's season. And you were, you, but you were in Seattle for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been here for a while. And, and, and just again, like, giving the audience perspective. So uh, you worked for Microsoft for a long, long time. Yeah, right? just over 20 years. Now, so what's surprising, I guess, as a tennis tennis athlete, uh, you said your husband, Division One, like football player, Seattle, aside from Boston, is like the rowing mecca uh, of yeah. the United States. How do you drive every day and see those boats and not just want to jump in there anytime earlier than that? Yeah, for, so for many of the years, um, 20, gosh, 25 plus years, I was living east of Seattle quite a far quite far away and not having to come into the city and didn't see a lot of water on my drive to work to Microsoft. So it was moving into the Seattle area proper uh, in uh, that happened, I believe, in early 2015. Then I started being around the water more and, and being minutes from that boathouse. And you're still rowing today. You still get out there? Yeah, I'm not, not actually rowing because of COVID-19. Um, but yeah, so we... Um, yeah, we're in the both on the competitive masters team now. Um, we we're both very fortunate in our 2016 October of 2016. We both got to row ahead of the Charles in our men's oh. eight. Yeah, so it was a funny story because um, 
I remember Coach Helen Til Tillman, she, she was helping try to round up uh, guys for the men's eight. And her first question to me is, how old are you? And I, I think back then I was like 55. And she's like, perfect. Do you want to go to Boston? And then two days later, they asked Jason the same question. And uh, my husband, Jason, and we both got to row ahead of the Charles in 2016. Okay. I just, okay. I've been rowing since 1999 and that opportunity doesn't happen like that all that often. Like you don't yeah. all of a sudden have a chance after rowing for five months to be <laughs> at the best race in the world. Ahead of the Charles is arguably the most fun and electric weekend in rowing. Yes. You, totally agree. As I would call you a knucklehead of rowing, like who yeah. is guy? you get to jump in a boat. How'd you guys do with that race? Um, you know, we didn't get in the top 50%. It was a fantastic race. We had a average age, probably, I would say probably 55, 57 in there. Was it a senior remember. master's eight or like where, what, what boat were you in? It was a master's eight, uh, I guess the, the fifties age category. Yeah, I think that's not, senior, not a club boat, just a master. Yeah. I think it's the senior masters, senior masters. Yeah. 50, yeah. 50 or over. I rode, I still, I don't row for them now. I rode for Potomac for many years, um, mm -hmm. did Henley and did all the Charles and stuff. And, and it's amazing, like watching guys in their fifties and sixties who are former Olympians or like national team level guys, they're usually faster than like the 30 year old club rowers. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and so your event that you raced in, in 2016, uh, you know, like even now, is one of the most highly competitive events at the Charles now. Yeah, it really is. Olympians there. So, yeah. okay, so, all right, so you still row. You came in super late in life. Yeah. Um, you, it obviously has impacted you so much that you started a company, but I don't want to get there yet. I want to okay. go to your time at Microsoft. Like, I, yeah. I watched the Bill Gates documentary on Netflix. They talk about, like, how crazy it was to work there. You were there in some pretty big moments in time of Microsoft. Yeah. Can you just talk to us about your experience working there all those years? Yeah, it was uh, really a fantastic company to work for. Uh, if it hadn't been, I certainly would have stayed there 20 years. Um, moved around in a lot of different teams while I was there. Certainly learned a ton about different technologies. Um, but yeah, I was always really impressed with what we did as a company, what we stood for and, and the kinds of uh, products we were putting out, both software and then definitely in the hardware area too, as we started getting into the Surface tablets. Um, but it did was- you ever meet, uh, Did you ever meet Bill Gates? Did you ever have that chance? Uh, so interestingly, Bill and I have an odd thing in common. Um, his daughter uh, um, does show jumping. Um, she, she's okay. an equestrian. Yeah, Jennifer. Okay. Uh, we used to watch Jennifer. So, so the part that's in common is I am also a United States Equestrian Federation show jumping judge. Right. Yeah. Kind of like out of there, out of this nowhere. Is out. Okay. Well, we're going to go on that one here in a minute. Too, <laughs> we'll but. go anyway. So we have this thing in common. His daughter rides competitively. She is an elite rider now, like Grand Prix level. She's amazing. Wow. Um, a Stanford student, I believe still heading to medical school. Anyway, they'd be at the local horse shows. And um, I never got to meet him. I remember sitting behind him a couple rows at a show. And then I did chat with Jennifer at one of our big shows here in Seattle. Um, always missed talk, chatting with Bill and Melinda under like the patron's tent for the big Grand Prix. Um, and then at work, there was a couple times where he came to some all hands meetings. Um, and I never really got a chance to chat with him. But, um, you know, I've been in like within feet 
a few feet wow. of them. <laughs> That's awesome. But like the, the equestrian thing. So is, is that your first love sport? Like, is that something you've done a long time in your life? Um, I have um, three grown children, two girls, and the oldest girl um, really got into horses uh, when she was very young. So that kind of led the family into horses. Um, and then I got into riding and I showed competitively. And then I thought, gosh, this judging thing looks interesting. Uh, so I pursued my judge's license. And of course, the first time I sat down to judge a big show down in Palm Springs uh, with a friend, I was learner judging, kind of apprenticeship. Cool. I realized that uh, needed software also. And that night I started writing a judging app uh, in the hotel room. Like seriously, it was it was uh, so many numbers to crunch and things to keep track of, and people had paper shuffling everywhere and timing equipment to run, and I I built this app called Jumper Judge Dashboard that um, few people are using here in the states, but it's quite popular in Australia for some reason. Wow, you know that's it's you hear those stories of people that have the ability to sit down and like come up with a solution like that, right? And that that's a really cool that's a really cool thing to be a part of. Like you see a problem and you have this ability to write code and design, design something. And apparently you've done that also in the sport of rowing, which yeah, yeah. as you're aware of rowing is, I don't know, a 200 year sport. That's still 50 years in the past. I mean, we're still doing things that programs and teams were doing 50, 60 years ago. Right now. Okay. So then this is a good transition. So, you start rowing, right? 2015. Uh, you're crazy enough to enter the head of the Charles having <laughs> five year, five months experience. You're like right in the fire of it all. And, and then at what point do you come up with iCrew? At what point do you develop this idea and concept? Yeah. So it was pretty immediately after getting into the master. So we, we graduated from learn to row and the typical learn to row morning session. We were morning rowers for sure. 5:30 AM. Yeah. Um, at Learn to Row, we had, gosh, I think we started with 20 people. It dwindled down to probably 16 when we finished. But the, we'd go in there, and we had a magnet board, and we all had our own magnet. And we'd um, just kind of move it in position to let Coach Tara know we were there. And she'd come up with lineups while we warmed up. And that was easy. There was only, you know, a, really a handful of us. So then Learn to Row's over, and we graduated into the master's program. And um, we start showing up at 5.30 in the morning to row. And now the routine is you've got 50 plus people showing up at the boathouse, going to the magnet board, finding their magnet, moving it up so they know you're there while a coach is actually putting magnets into place to do lineups. And again, that was okay. But then we had to go stand in line where a piece of paper was tracking the last time we coxed a boat because we only have like one dedicated coxswain. So we all have to rotate through the coxswain seat. And I'm thinking, there's got to be a better way. I mean, what? I have to figure out when I last coxed and keep track. There's this, you know, rows and columns on this sheet of paper and I'm behind six other people and it's taken forever. So the kind of the bottom line issue was we're wasting tons of time every morning just trying to get ourselves organized. Literally 20 plus minutes of waiting for lineups to be figured out who's here, who ought to cox the boat today. And that's what just kind of triggered me to think there's got to be a better way to, to get organized. Let's, let's know who's going to be here on any given day and let's have a system track. Like last time we coxed, I don't want to stand in front of a piece of paper and do that. <laughs> now let me, let me, I want to 
because I have a couple questions with that platform, but I want to know this. We are a sport of affluent individuals. It is a, it is a, I don't call it a wealthy man sport because it's not necessarily bad, but there's a lot of money pumped into rowing itself, right? As a whole, right. the equipment's yeah. expensive. It takes time to get to the boathouse, all these things. Do you think our sport is lagging in technology? Like that we are just not where we should be with, you know, if you look at, if you look at sports like baseball, football, and all those others, like big, big brand sports, like, do you think yeah. that we're lagging in technology as a, as a sport? Well, you know, I read a lot and uh, about some of the technology we see on riggers and on um, on orlocks and and things like the GPS Cox box stuff and yeah. um, th those things. I think are very cool. I think that's pretty leading edge. Um, and then what I've noticed with with the iCrew system, um, a lot of folks are using technology to help organize and communicate and and do things better. Uh, so that, I think we're doing okay. I, I think we're doing okay. There's, there's some interesting ideas out there. I have friends that are doing technology. Um, if I could do a shout out to Row Hero, uh, David DeWinter, he's doing some really cool stuff, uh, uh, tapping into Concept2 monitors and collecting tons of data and rep and getting it back to you in really great ways. Um, right. uh, few other folks in the area that do stuff. So I think we're doing pretty good. Um, the problem I saw is that these other uh, team management systems, um, there are a lot of them out there from various companies, they're all kind of have to be generic and deal with baseball teams and basketball teams and football teams. And that's what I was actually going to bring up. So, so at Potomac, they started using thing called, no, no, it wasn't even Potomac. They didn't use it. It was Annapolis Junior Rowing Program. I had coached there for a couple of years. And it was my last year there, a parent said, we should use TeamSnap. TeamSnap, yeah. And I remember, remember having to use that. And I'm 34. I was 31 at the time. And I thought it was cumbersome and like kind of clunky and not really good. Because you're right. It's a generic platform, right? It's supposed yeah, to fit yeah. everybody. And you're saying like, so then, then explain to me and the audience what the difference is iCrew versus like say a TeamSnap, which I think a lot of people here will be more familiar with. Yeah, so iCrew, uh, it has features uh, that are for rowing teams, like being able to do a lineup, like being able to track when somebody was last put in the coxswain seat. Um, so the specific features like understanding what a regatta is and interfacing to regatta central to be able to see. Oh, it uh, interfaces in a regatta central. Yeah, we can pull data automatically from Regatta Central. So if you put in a Regatta name as you're creating a Regatta session in iCrew, I query using the public API um, for your viewers. Some will know that's an application programming interface. So it's an easy way for programs to talk to each other. Yep. They have a very nice API. I can call the API, bring back a list of regattas. Um, if the, you find the regatta you're trying to work with, it can then bring back a list of all the events uh, and provide links back to the entry list for each event and stuff like that. So, oh. and I, it, down in Australia, uh, New South Wales, they have a very similar program. So I interface with that system down there too. So the, the, the rowing specific features are really the key thing. So like tracking coxing count, lineups, erg tests. Hey, let's get all our erg test data in one platform. Mm -hmm. um, I even have things like journal entering for people that want to write journals about how their performance went and coaches can make comments. Oh, so uh, athletes can, obviously athletes all log in. They can, yeah. they can, it's like a journal for them. It's, it it's can be from yeah. that practice or that day. Yeah. 
and it, it stores that information for them. Yeah, it's an optional thing. Uh, I've got some clubs really utilizing it. I just recently um, enhanced that so you can import your Concept2 logbooks. Mm -hmm. And people think, okay, I already have that data in Concept2. But if you import it in DICRU, now your coaches can see all the work you've been doing, especially during this um, COVID-19. So. Yeah, that's a perfect, that's a perfect, I mean, blend, right, of time. Yeah. I, I'm actually really interested in the the why behind everything. So like as business owners and idea people, um, when I started Finish Line, it was a not, it was a first at a hobby. Like I just want to do something because I want, I had a lot of free time and I, and, and, but then I just felt this desire and need to fix what was going on in the rowing world. And the problem was there just was not a lot of quality repair facilities at, mm -hmm. at good pricing. So for you, like what was, what was the why behind doing this? Like what, yeah. I mean, okay, aside from maybe freeing up your time, what was your motivation to do this? Yeah, I really just wanted to see, first it was kind of selfish for, for me and folks at our club, I wanted to get on the water faster. Like wasting 20 minutes every morning was just ridiculous. And we have dropped that down to literally like five minutes. We don't have much time anymore uh, to, to do any sorts of warm ups on land. Um, we know who's coming to the boathouse every morning ahead of time. Lineups are usually done the night before. We have to tweak a few things if there's a couple no-shows. So for me, it was kind of selfish, like, gosh, I want to row more. I want to be on the water more. And then because I have been in the software industry, um, for me, it was kind of like a challenge to see if I could build a web-based system um, like iCrew. So it was, it was certainly a challenge for me to kind of step up and, and uh work with some technologies that I maybe hadn't worked with much before and put out a, a website that could be accessed from anywhere. So of course the beauty of the internet. Right. Um, right. So yeah, that was, it was kind of a challenge. So uh, I like me. that. I mean, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's a, it's a, how do I say this? Like you said, a selfish thing. Like you just, you want to be on the water more. And as a newer rower, like I, I get it. You, you walk into it and you don't realize that team's been doing that for 30 or 40 years, like yeah. everywhere. And it's nice to have fresh eyeballs, right. Come in to, to, to change that. I remember we used to waste hours and hours every week in high school and college, just because we had those things. We had a stick board at college. I'll never forget this. We had a stick board and you had to walk up and push your, push your name in when you showed yeah, yeah. up. Right. And then the coach would look at there and, if you didn't push it in just the right amount and you were in the back, like he would say, he didn't think you were there and throw it away. And yeah. it was Greg Meyer at GW. It was a pretty wild experience. Uh, but yeah, like if we had that back in 2008, 2007, saved five, 10, 20 a day, which is valuable water time, right? You're right. getting, and as masters, like you got to go to work, you yep. get ready for the day. Um, how about any adversities? Did you, experience any roadblocks, anything's hard, anything hard that happened in the first, say, six months or a year of starting this? Yeah, so I, I built it with getting input from the coaches at Mount Baker. Um, uh, that was critical. Um, kind of with that, that judging software, the reason I think that it worked so well is because I was an actual judge and knew exactly what you had to do. So building the right software for that role was a lot easier. Um, in rowing, of course, I wasn't a coach, but I was working and seeing and I was around coaches every day. So getting their input on what the system needed to, to do was hugely important. Um, so 
we, we definitely, I started building this thing. I started showing it to the coaches uh, and there's a little pushback because they were worried about folks, the masters rowers really adopting to a technology. Um, mm. You know, the interface from the phone was important to them. Uh, but at some point I just sat down and said, okay, it, it seems there's, there seems to be some issues that are keeping you from just jumping in. Like, tell me what it is. What are the key things that this thing has to do that, that so that we push it and get it, get it uh, um, out to everybody at the boathouse. And once I kind of got through those few little features and got them really comfortable using it, then it just kind of took off. And uh, for I don't know how, but Boulder Community Rowing was my second customer. Wow. Um, they, I think they must have just found it through a, a Google search and um, they started coming up on it um, right behind Mount Baker. Well, that, I mean, that, that I wrote down this question, uh, how have you marketed yourself and sold this product? It's like on your website, there are a lot of teams that are using this thing and, and it, you have it at the bottom and there's one of them is a local crew here, Walter Johnson uh, yep. in the DC area. How have they found that, that plan? How have they found it? Yeah, so um, if you search rowing, rowing management system, I think we're, we show up at the top. I didn't do anything magic there other than put some keywords, you know, the yeah. old search engine optimization stuff. So we are showing up on Google search. I, I have compiled a big list of uh, email addresses of people in the rowing community. So I do periodic kind of um, newsletter blasts. Uh, I try to like welcome a new club just to let people know more clubs are joining in. So through the email marketing and just the Google search and then word of mouth for sure. So I have coaches and rowers always telling their friends that coach and or row about iCrew. Um, so uh, in the Seattle area, I've got a quite a few clubs using it. Bainbridge Island uses it, Pocock, uh, Mount Baker, Green Lake. Um, yeah. And th that was a, a bit easier because I could actually drive to meet people and show sure. them the system in person. So now you now you don't. This is not your full time everyday task, right? No, you have, no. You have a career outside. <laughs> yeah, regular job. And and what, <laughs> what what is your regular job then? What do you do every day? So I am a software development engineer uh, at a small clean energy company. Um, we write software to to manage large battery storage systems. So imagine you're a solar developer down in California you got acres and acres of Mojave Desert land and you put solar a solar field out there well you need to store that energy when it's not getting pumped out to the grid wow. uh, and these massive battery systems um, we write software to help manage and, and optimize the use of those battery systems I think what I like about this story is that it's like a passion project for you this absolutely it's, you're not out there trying to make and I forgive me for using this phrase, like a million dollars. You're not right. trying to be rich off of this. What you're no. trying to do is provide an inexpensive service that really saves time and energy for people. Yes. And you're doing it, you're doing it just, you know, in your garage, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Literally like my, technology guy. yeah, my iCrew work hours are, tend to be uh, early in the morning. If we're not rowing uh, on days, we don't row. I'm working on iCrew weekends. I work on iCrew sometimes in the evening. So uh, it's, yeah, it's been just a passion kind of, it's fun to still write code and, and uh, deliver solutions that kind of make a difference. And what's the, uh, what's the price structure for this thing? Like how does that work for teams? Yeah. So it's based on your team, um, team rosters. So it's a per person charge per month. And I have two levels of iCrew subscriptions. Um, 
if they on iCrew.club, which is the website, there's a pricing structure breakdown. And the standard edition is really all the functionality most boathouses need, and it's 35 cents per rower per month. And then the premium edition is 50 cents per rower per month. Uh, and the, so the main difference is in the premium edition, you have access to online discussion channels, which are like an online forum. So people yeah. can exchange kind of back and forth all online and not necessarily emails and also boat and boat reservation system. So lots of boathouses beyond coached sessions, they do uh, independent rowing and people want to reserve a double to take out with a friend. Uh, iCrew has the reservation system. How, uh, you know, I don't know if you could, if you want to reveal this, um, what do you, how do you come up with the pricing structure? <laughs> that is just that you're basically giving it away. 35 yeah, person. yeah. It's like, I'm just going to flip you a quarter. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. So th sometimes, you know, I have folks telling me like, you are not charging enough, but like you said earlier, I'm not in this to, to, to make a million bucks. It's, yeah. it's something I want clubs to use because I think it'll benefit them. And I had to be kind of careful about not overpricing it because some of these clubs, I mean, I have Clam Island Rowing using it out um, west of Seattle. They, they are a Island, club. Of, what is it called? Clam, Clam Island? Island Rowing. That's yes. the best rowing club name I've yeah. heard. <laughs> yeah, so very small club. They don't have a lot of uh, revenue coming in to pay for things. So I had to just be careful to not overprice it. Um, so yeah, that I, I kind of just looked at some other comp competition pricing and thought, let's get in here where... I get more clubs on it versus a few paying a lot. How about many paying lower amounts and just let it work out. That's the, that's the American way. That, <laughs> that is the American way. It's like, look at the competition, come up with a little bit better. Don't be greedy. Yeah. Price down, volume sale done. Now let me, let's close with this. I want to know as a guy who does equestrian stuff, a guy that came in late in rowing and a passion project, where do you see rowing headed in the next, say, five years? Like, what do you think is going to happen to rowing? Call it technology, sports, whatever, however you want to phrase this. What do you think is going to happen to rowing in the next five or ten years? Yeah, you know, from a technology perspective, I think some of the more interesting things are probably going to be around not necessarily team management systems like iCrew. Um, I mean, it could be, but I think things like analysis of data uh, like David's doing at Row Hero. I think that is super valuable information to understand um, how people are doing on their ERG pieces. Like where in the 2K are you, are you really dropping off your rate and where do you need to keep, it, keep the pressure on? Data, data analysis, it's that whole thing about what can we with, do with data? And even in iCrew, we are collecting tons of data. Um, things like you can look over the past year and know how many hours a boat has been used because we know how many times it went out for sessions and independent right. rowing can track that too. So analysis of data, I think is going to be important as we move forward. Um, I think it's, there's huge benefits there. Um, and then from a non-technical side, it's interesting, lots of watching your podcast, uh, it's interesting to hear about people talking about different distances. Should we do 2Ks all the time? What about novices doing 1,000 meters or 1,500? That stuff, I think, is all very interesting. Uh, I, I'm going to be curious to see where that goes. I, I, would l I think juniors, um, just my opinion, juniors going to their first regatta, novice rowers, 
a thousand meters seems like a better distance. I mean, oh. maybe fifteen. You're gonna, don't get me started here. Yeah, two Ks. I mean, sending those kids out on a two K race, and we have to do some two Ks in the Masters, like our opening day, which is through the cut at UW. Oh, yeah. Huge. That, that's a two K race, and then Husky opens a two K race. So it's not like we don't have to deal with that. Novice rowers, I really think one K seems fine, and then. If you and your husband entered a pair that was five <laughs> meters long and you won, you, you would buy your boat the next day. You yeah. would train all the time. And right. then the next race is 1,500 meters. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, we are yeah. behind that. Same vision. Right, right. Um, the other interesting area for me, I'm on the border of lightweight, heavyweight. Now, on the border, I, I make it sound like, oh, I'm right there. What? I'm, if I really wanted to get down to 160, <laughs> yeah. I could go on this crash diet and lose about 10 pounds. Um, that seems like a lot. And sure. when I compare myself at 5 foot 10 at about 170, 172, my husband's about the same height and same weight. He's, he's probably at 168. When I think about going against folks that are 6'4", masters rowers, but they're 6'4", 6'5", six, six, even 6'2", six, the length is there, the yeah. they're just they longer. they 40 pounds on you. They have 40 yeah. pounds on you. 40 pounds. And so weight-adjusted numbers, I, I think, are really important, and we look at that. I mean, <laughs> Only the small guys say that. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, so in iCrew, I do do weight-adjusted calculations based on the Concept2 formula and make that prominent, like, hey, here's some weight-adjusted <laughs> numbers. But, I mean, that does make a difference, though. Think about eight masters rowers, and let's say we're all 5'10 or taller, and some guys are bringing 170 pounds in the boat and others are bringing 200 pounds in the boat. I mean, I think that makes a difference. But going back to my point, the lightweight thing, um, I would hate to see that go away. I might like to see it go to 165 for Masters because, damn, 160, yeah. is, that's pretty light. Yeah, the, the, that's a very it's a very archaic uh, approach, you know, sticking to this weight that doesn't make any sense. Back a long time ago, high school rowing was based on um, basically like age, like, you know, the, it, it's like, well, it's based on mid heavy and heavy and mid light, like there were categories. And that's just because rowing was such a smaller sport and you could yeah. segment that and then it grew really big. And then they just said, okay, we'll just do lightweight and heavyweight and not worry about it. I mean, you, you obviously have, have paid attention to some of the stuff that we're doing um, and you know, rowers choices focus and future is these is this like this change this 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 adjustment of distances it's uh it's putting different emphasis of of athletes and not necessarily the equipment and there's i think that rowing is in a time where it it's at a crossroads and no one's taking no one personally or a company is taking and saying we should go this way right yeah. we should move it in this direction um and, and that's what we're trying to do at Rover's Choice. But Kevin, I got to tell you, I gotta, we're, we're going to close with this. I have had more fun than I thought I would uh, <laughs> on this interview. And, and what I love about this is I get to meet someone I've never met before, talk about rowing. And what I love about your passion in this and your excitement is that only been doing it for five years. You, I think I get a feeling that you could talk rowing all day, every day. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and that's a beautiful story, right? You know, someone, a man, and you know, I've been doing it for 20 years. I can have the same conversation I have with you that I have with someone who's been doing it for 50 years. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's just the love of rowing. So, 
Kevin, the founder of iCrew, a passion project that saves ample time that is almost free (laughs) for users to use. Uh, This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for being part of this, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. It was a a joy and a pleasure to to meet you and uh, do this podcast with you. Awesome. So more from Rower's Choice in the future. I think we have another Coaches Yelling um, uh, uh, scheduled for this week or next. That was a good one. I really liked that one. There it is. I got a plug. I got a plug. Oh, my gosh. That was so much fun to listen to. (laughs) Well, more from us at Rower's Choice. Thanks for watching. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. Rower's Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing Shells, and Sykes USA.